I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today I will be joined by Fox Rehabilitation speech-language pathologist Maureen Colkett. And you may remember Maureen because she was the first-ever guest on the Live Better Longer podcast. It was her and Caitlin Brady. So Maureen is coming back today, and she will be joined by her patient, Sally, who has aphasia. And the reason we are having this conversation in June is because June is Aphasia Awareness Month. And the reason there are months of awareness, it's all in the name. You want to raise awareness for a certain cause. So the more you talk about something, the more conversations that you have, the more knowledgeable you become, and the more you know, the more you can empathize. You know, it's all about knowing what people are going through. So aphasia, for those that don't know, let me give you some stats first. So this is according to aphasia.org which is hosted by the National Aphasia Association. So according to aphasia.org, there are at least 2 million people in the United States with aphasia. But only 84.5% of people have ever heard of the term aphasia. So if you flip that stat, a little more than 15% of Americans even know what aphasia is. So the basic definition of aphasia is a language disorder that affects a person's ability to communicate. Now, aphasia occurs usually due to stroke or traumatic injury to the brain. Now, I like this fact, and once again, this is on aphasia.org. Most people improve over time, particularly if speech therapy is provided. So Sally, who we will speak with today, is getting speech therapy with Fox Rehabilitation. Her clinician is Maureen Colkett. Sally suffered a stroke in December of 2022, which affected the language center in her left brain. Now, it's very important to point out, before we bring on Sally, aphasia does not affect intellect. So Sally still reads. She has no memory loss. She is fully aware of what's going on. However, her verbal communication has been affected. But she's working with Maureen, who I think is one of our best. And that's why I love our Fox clinicians, because to me, they're like detectives. They figure out what's wrong, and then they figure out the best way to fix it. If they can't go in through door A or door B, They'll use door D to use door C to get into door A and B. 
that makes any sense to you. So I love that Sally's coming on today because I know a bunch of people in my life and maybe even myself, if I had aphasia, I would probably be self-conscious. I might not want to be on a podcast, especially if I couldn't communicate as fluidly as I used to. So the fact that Sally is into this is huge. And you know, we could talk about aphasia all day and I could read you facts and different checklists, but to actually speak with the patient who has aphasia, I think that's so much more powerful. So Sally, even before you come in, I am so thankful and grateful that you are being part of our podcast today. So before I speak with Sally and Maureen, I just want to remind all of you that the NABPT, that stands for National Association of Black Physical Therapists, the NABPT will be holding their annual conference June 23rd through June 25th. This is the third annual NABPT conference. It's virtual, so whether you're in California or New York, you can attend. The theme this year, Together Towards Tomorrow. If you want to register, go to nabpt.org. Oh, and one more thing. One more thing before we get back to the Live Better Longer podcast. This Sunday is Father's Day. So to all of the fathers out there, I wish you a happy Father's Day. May the weather be swell. May your children treat you right and have a fantastic weekend. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am joined by Fox Rehabilitation speech-language pathologist Maureen Colkitt, who, by the way, was the first ever guest on the Live Better Longer podcast, and we are joined by her patient, Sally. Welcome. Thank you, Jim. Yes. In podcast land, you can't see it, but on video, you can. Maureen, you and I are actually wearing the same jacket, and we didn't even plan that. Oh, Yes. I actually didn't even notice until I should I should I zip up like you I'm totally zipped up as if it's like freezing no but I I like it because I think you look like a European (laughs) soccer star oh yeah there you go so today we're going to talk about aphasia because June is aphasia awareness month you are treating Sally who has aphasia so the first thing I wanted to say was two million people have aphasia However, nearly 85% of Americans claim that they've never heard of it. So how do we get people to be more aware of aphasia? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up that statistic. Did you know that, Sally, about how people, I mean, maybe you knew something about this before it happened to you, but maybe not. It's not something that everyone should have to deal with, right? Yeah. Um. So it's that idea of how do we get people to know and understand it? And we've been working at that here within your senior living community. Like what are some of the things that have helped let other people know about you and aphasia? One thing we have some things on your wall. Yeah. Do you want to read that out loud since it's facing you? So I have a favorite kind of quote that I use or 
educational piece, aphasia, loss of language and not intellect. Right, so aphasia, loss of language, not intellect. So that's one thing that we have posted at least three or four places around. So encouraging staff to learn about what aphasia is and understand how to interact with Sally. Um, because if someone doesn't respond or doesn't sound like they know what you've said, you can only make assumptions. So the important thing is to let people know what aphasia is. And first and foremost, it's just a loss of language. It's not a loss of intellect. You can comprehend everything. It's just a matter of communicating. Yeah. And Maureen, what are some of the myths surrounding aphasia? I mean, that one, that there's a change in, um, in one's ability knowledge, intellect. Another would be like that memory is really impaired. You know, people would assume that, have you had an experience where someone kind of thinks you don't remember things? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a portion of time that you don't remember because you were in and out of the hospital. Yeah. Uh, but now you remember everything. Yeah. So do you feel like that's misunderstood? Yeah. And also that, you know, that maybe there's nothing you can do about it, that I would say is a myth. It's not uh, something that you have to live with and that's the end. Um, and I've seen some really tremendous progress in Sally, which has been great. And can we talk about that progress? Can we talk about the therapy that you two are working on together? Yeah. We can show right here, we do um, some scripted conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do this one? Yeah. So scripted conversation is a way to use the reading ability of the individual and then help that to build language. So I might say, hi, Sally, how are you? Oh, fine. Are you ready to get dressed? Yes. What do you want to wear today? Black pants and a blue shirt. So Sally's got six grandchildren, right? What are the age ranges? Um, 13 and 15 and then... Um, seven and eight and um 12 year old 12 month old boy and girl oh my gosh so it ranges know, it ranges from teenage <laughs> it ranges from teenage yeah. to we little one yeah which you've had the grandkids visit you here which has been nice yeah and that's like, that's some of the best practice. And I love you have a super supportive family and they, they help you to practice yeah. using all these techniques. Um, I have things in the room that the family can work on with Sally and they've been so great with that. Yeah. Yep. Maureen, yeah. do you ever have discussions with Sally's family talking about the best ways to communicate? Yeah. And they've actually, it, it's been very mutual. Like they've reached out and said, what can we do? Um, your son mostly, so I talked to, but I've met a few others who have been visiting, but they, they want to help. They want to be on board with the right kind of things to work on. And even your friends, <laughs> Sally's got a crew, <laughs> your two best friends in that picture. It's, who are your two um, friends again? Marie and um, Eileen. Yeah. So she has a, a big support system, which is also very important. Or anything, but in particular with aphasia, great advocates for you. Yeah. So someone who's dealing with aphasia, what is the best way to support them? I would imagine, this is me not knowing obviously as much as you, Maureen, because you're a professional. I have no clinical background. But I would think 
patience is huge. Because we live in a world where people spit out questions and they expect immediate answers. But I think if you're patient with someone, ask that question and then just wait for an answer. Yeah. Does that help you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I eat with um, someone who's young. At the dining room? Yeah. Oh, oh. And she answered me and she waits till I'm, you know, finished. Oh, good. But so you have a patient dining room partner right now. Right. That's good. But um, her friend is um, not patient. Ah. So that can be hard. And does the one who's patient and lets you finish what you want to say, does she try to advocate for you and tell her friend to wait? No, she um, waits till she leaves. Oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but she likes to talk with you. I love talking with you, Sally. We have really fun conversations because yeah. we're able to have conversations now. I would say in the beginning, it was more the figuring out, but, uh, you know, finding ways to do the therapy, building up to conversation is definitely the goal. Yeah. And we've gotten to the point of more conversational language, which is great. Yeah. And Maureen, what's the key to that more conversational language? How do you build up to that? Well, we've worked on a variety of techniques. In general, with aphasia, you hear people talk about word-finding difficulties. So there might be a word that you want to say and it doesn't come out. So you work on the best strategies and the best treatment approaches to help the brain rewire. So like an example is um, verbal network strengthening. You know, when I've given you a verb, like I'll say, think of the word play. Mm -hmm. And then we try to build a sentence. So first it's building phrases, sentences. And then you just kind of back off in your, your help, your cueing. Um, so sometimes it's still short sentences or, or short phrases. But when you go with a verb, it opens up a whole bunch more vocabulary than, say, just like naming objects from a piece of paper. So And trying to make it more functional because you, you want to build up to conversation. You want to be able to have conversations, which is more fun. Um, to the scripted conversation, we did some of those, whereas now when someone comes to say, what would you like to wear? She doesn't need to read from a paper. We've shifted through a long way in the therapy according to how you've progressed. Yeah. And now it's a little bit more about that patience and a little extra time and just, okay, can you expand that to a longer sentence? And then you do, which yes. is great. Here's a question, Sally. When your grandchildren come to visit you, have they learned to be patient? Because as we all know, young people are very impatient. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll hear some day, um, you know, oh, we'll wait, you know, and someone will say, um, oh, go ahead. Do the parents step in a little bit and help no. remind the kids? Oh, you mean the kids do that themselves? Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. That's great. What do they call you? I don't know if I ever asked you. Mom-mom. Mom-mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with my mom, it's Gigi. And I think that stemmed from the first grandkid couldn't say grandmother, so he said Gigi. And then it was Gigi from that point on. So it was mom-mom 
Was that established before the grandkids were born that they were going to call you mom, mom? No, um, I anticipated that they call me grandmama. And then you just eliminated the grand? No, the 16 year old, or, you know, he will be 16. Um, he was born three months or three years before. So he, um, you know, automatically started to call me grandma. And then the other ones did. He used to call me mom. And now? Still? Yeah. That's cool. But it was determined by the first grandkid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when you are the first grandchild, you kind of dictate as to what you can call your grandmother. (laughs) Whether it's Gigi or Mamam. Yep. Yeah, because, um, okay, they called me G Mom. Oh, G Mom. G Mom, that's cool. And then now they call me Mama. Oh, it's like more sophisticated now. Yeah. <laughs> so getting it, older. did it go from <laughs> Grandmom to G Mom to Mom Mom? Yeah. That's quite a progression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. So, Maureen, I have a a more technical question about aphasia. Is it always caused through some type of injury to the brain? Yes, there's, you know, injury or insult to the brain. So it it might be something like a stroke. And, you know, that's the the common thing that we're talking about as far as aphasia awareness. But um, there can be other neurological disorders that a person also will experience aphasia when they have those. So um, somebody even who might have dementia, they could struggle with language as well. So it might look a little bit different, but yeah, it it is always a result of some kind of an injury to the brain, whether it's a traumatic kind of injury or something that happens internally, a non-traumatic injury to the brain. Like dementia. Right. Or, you know, any anything neurological Parkinson's um, individuals might experience aphasia in the way that they communicate. You know, again, it's going to look different. There's different types too. So for Sally, it's really just the expressive language part, but someone experiencing a different type of aphasia due to a different neurological reasoning, whether stroke or otherwise, there might be receptive language problems where it's very hard to understand language as well as to speak. Um, There's even types of aphasia where people can't really understand the language coming at them, but they will fluently talk and it doesn't make any sense at all. And that's that's extremely challenging for the individual and for the healthcare team because there's a a big mismatch there. Um, So we focus on the strength, like in, in Sally's case, receptive language, super strong reading ability. You know, she'll sit and read a novel and read handouts, you know, anything that I bring to her. Sally, for you, it's it's mostly about verbal communication. Yeah. How do you feel you're doing right now with your, I don't mean like in this moment, but how do you feel with your ability to get words out right now? No, well. Do you notice that it's improved at all? No. It's hard to have that perception of it. 
we've chatted about that a little bit, but it Sally's working so hard each moment and you are getting the words out. Your progress is not done. We talk about that a lot. Sally, is this your first podcast? Yeah. Thank you for doing it. My um so last year my 90-year-old grandmother was a guest on the podcast and I had to ask her six or seven different times. Cause she said, no, I don't even understand what that is. And I said, it's like talk radio. And she's like, I don't know what I'm like. It's like, we're talking on the phone, except I'm recording it. (laughs) So I had to ask her six or seven different times and she would always say no. But at the end of it, she would say, well, maybe call me like in a couple of weeks and maybe I'll do it. I'm like, well, is it yes or no? But she finally agreed to do it. So I love the fact that you said yes to this. And I know it's not easy for you there being a slight communication barrier. But I think that's so brave. And I think the fact that you did it will raise awareness for aphasia. More people will know about it. So the fact that you're doing this, I think, is a huge step. And I thank you for doing this. Okay. Yeah. And do you know that you're working with one of the best, with Maureen? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. We have fun. (laughs) And Maureen, just like Thank a, you, one one big takeaway that I got from this, and I knew this going in, even though I have no clinical background, it doesn't affect intelligence. You have a little, have a little at this point, too. Well, I, I've, I've been you in it for two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so aphasia does not affect intelligence. I think that's important. And then I think, too, when you yeah. need to slow it down, yes and no questions, right? Yeah. That would be big for someone who maybe it's a family member, Sally, that hadn't hasn't seen you in a while or hasn't seen you since you've been diagnosed with aphasia. I think that's a simple place to start. Just ask simple yes or no questions and be patient. Yeah, because it can be easy for people to want to fill in the gap and they feel like, well, I'll just keep talking and talking and talking because this is easier for her. But um, but letting that individual take a moment, get the thought out. Uh, because it opens things up so much more. And then it is a more fun conversation. So once people learn that, I think they can really fairly easily adjust and change the way that they communicate with someone with aphasia. Yeah. And then Sally, I always ask people this question on the podcast because it's a passion of mine. What kind of music do you like? Oh, 70s. Yeah! Do you have <laughs> do you have a favorite artist from the 1970s? Um, Fleet Mode Mac. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac. I've met yeah. I've met Lindsey Buckingham before. <gasps> oh. Who sadly well. who sadly is no longer in Fleetwood Mac because they kicked him out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to ask Jim a question about when you met Lindsay Buckingham? Yeah. How did you meet him? So I used to work in music. I was a music television host, and he came in to uh, the morning show I was working on because he was promoting a, a solo album that he had put out. So I snuck into his dressing room and told him that I liked his new album. And then years later, I worked for Sirius XM and I saw him in an elevator. So I've, I've crossed paths <laughs> with Lindsey Buckingham twice in my life. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great yeah. guitar player. 
And Lindsey Buckingham does not play with a pick on the guitar. It's all fingers. So you would think his over the years, his fingers are like really calloused because he's just playing the guitar with his fingers, not yeah. with a pick. Well, it was Stevie Nicks is going to be performing in Philadelphia this summer. And we were talking about because she likes Stevie Nicks vocals in particular. And I'm like, oh, we could go to the concert in Philadelphia. How cool would that be? It's coming up. Yeah. I don't know the date. I'll have to look. Yeah. How about, uh, I'll just ask you artists, you tell me if you like them or not from the 70s. Neil Diamond? Yep. All right. And then how about let's dive into the world of classic rock? Led Zeppelin? Yep. Yeah. Um, the Carpenters? Um, no. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, it's funny. So I was like raised on classic rock, not to dwell too much on it, but uh, we have very similar tastes of the seventies music we like versus we don't like. So it might not be popular opinion, but what's the band that we both don't like? Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> so I, so don't, 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 Sally, I'm just like judging on your picks right now it seems like you're more into rock than disco is that correct oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay yeah no i i um i was born in the 70s and i grew up on a lot of that 70s music yeah yeah how wait how about this one more one more cuz we talked about fleetwood mac which is easy listening rock, would be considered classic rock. Uh, Led Zeppelin, maybe a, a slightly more aggressive, but you like that. Um, how about Simon and Garfunkel? Yes. Okay. So even into the more acoustic, like chiller stuff. Yep. All right. Yep. Sa Sally, we can hang. We can just <laughs> listen to music and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> There's one other song that's not from the seventies, but what's like your your namesake song now at this point that everybody jokes around about? Mustang Sally. Mustang. <laughs> Mustang Sally. We, we we might have listened to that a few times. Yeah. I mean, you have if your name Sally. Session. If your name Sally, you have to. Yep. Well, thank yeah. you for this conversation. The goal, once again, it uh -huh. is. Aphasia Awareness Month, so we just want more people to be aware of it, which I think yeah. in the end would be a great thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. So for Maureen Colkett and Sally, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins. That's how we say it in Pittsburgh. We will see Yins later. <laughs> <laughs>